In this episode, we learn about the next mixed state of the polyvagal theory, play. My name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist obsessed with the polyvagal theory. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. As always, please put yourself first. I don't think this one should be triggering whatsoever, but you know, just by the nature of the topics, you may experience some stuff come up, so take a break if you need to. And this podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended to be a replacement for therapy. And by the way, I do have lots of free polyvagal resources on my website, justinlmft.com. I have lots of polyvagal one-pagers that go into things like the three mixed states, and that's in the file share section. There are three mixed states. Last time, last episode, we talked about freeze, and this episode, we are talking about play. Once again, a mixed state is when we combine two primary states, just like primary colors. If you mix red and blue, you get purple. Well, if you mix two primary polyvagal states, you get a mixed state. So last time we talked about freeze, that is the flight fight plus the shutdown system that equals freeze. You get play when we have the safe and social state active along with the flight fight state. So we have our safety state active along with our mobilization state. That's the ventral vagal pathways plus the sympathetic pathways. In the mixed state of play, we are energized, we are activated, but we're safe and we are connected. When it comes to the polyvagal theory in play, specifically we're talking about reciprocal interaction and a constant awareness of others that are involved in that reciprocal interaction. And we'll go more into this uh, a lot more throughout the episode. But first, let's do a exercise or, or an exercise. I'm going to play two music samples here, and I want you to tell me which one of these in your system feels more playful than the other one, okay? They're both, they both have energy to them, but one of these, I would argue, is more playful. So I want to see if, if we can discern See if your system can discern which which one is uh, more playful and see if you agree with me. So here is the first sample. Okay, and here is the second one. So what did you notice between the two of those? Actually, first off, which one of these felt more playful for you? And if you said the second one with the Ramones, I would agree. The Ramones, there's definitely energy to it, but there's a playfulness to it. There's uh, more of a bop rather than uh, aggression. During the Ramones one, you're probably, if you're like me, more likely to smile. So your safety system was probably more likely to be online. And the other one, Probably not as much. And and that's if you had the same experience as I did. And you know we're, we're two different people, so your system may have reacted in a much different way. When we play, we're actually accessing our sympathetic mobilization. We're utilizing the pathways that govern the flight-fight state. Okay, we're using movement when we play. It's very important. 
when we ride a bike or when we're playing tag, when we're playing catch, we're using our arms to throw and catch, we're using our legs to ride a bike or to to play tag, right? When we're rough and tumble, like when, if you're a parent and you have kids and you wrestle with them, that rough and tumble play, is there's a lot of mobilization there. So mobilization and play are extremely important, but you can't just have the mobilization by itself. We also have to be able to access our ventral vagal safety pathways. And this is important to keep that sympathetic mobilization energy in check. When we're accessing that ventral uh, safety pathway, we're making more, we're making eye contact with each other and we're smiling at each other. We probably have more vocal prosody when we're playing. When this is gone, when, when eye contact is removed, that's probably a sign that it's not really playing around anymore. When the smiles are gone, that's probably a good sign that it's not play anymore. When voices go from, you know, playful and prosodic and uh, fuller range, and then all of a sudden they're deeper and more monotone, that's probably a good sign that we're not really playing around anymore. Play is extremely important when it comes to uh, just development overall, like developing relationships, developing uh, one's own capacity to self-regulate. We haven't talked about self-regulation and co-regulation in depth during this Polyvagal 101 series yet, but uh, self-regulation, hopefully you get the idea. Play is very important in our capacity to, to develop that. It's extremely important to for exercising the ability to go up and down the polyvagal ladder because when we're playing, we're actually accessing each of these uh, polyvagal states. We're accessing the safety state. We're accessing the flight fight state. And we might even be actually accessing the shutdown state. Like if we play hide and seek or freeze tag, there's stillness involved in that and quiet as well. So we might actually be accessing all three. I would say we are. As we do this, as we access each state up and down the polyvagal ladder th- while, while we are socially engaged, we're going to be able to tap into those defensive states, but not out of defense. And we're actually going to be able to build a tolerance to that defensive energy. It won't be this out of control thing. It'll be a socially engaged thing. When we play, we have opportunities to navigate uh, interpersonal problems when they arise, like when someone wins or loses and all the problems that come along <laughs> come along with that or keeping track or breaking the rules there's opportunities to navigate to problem solve these uh, interpersonal issues that come up between whoever's playing play is extremely important for bonding and attachment i think that kids feel love through play actually i, I know i know that kids feel love through play i see it in myself as a father when i interact with my kids that there have been times where we're playing, 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 like really playing. And they'll stop and they'll give me a hug and say, I love you too. I didn't say it out loud, but they felt that love just through the play. So play is extremely important for bonding, for attachment. I've noticed in all the kids that I've worked with over the past uh, 12 years or so through therapy, and also in the juvenile hall system, even when I wasn't a therapist, that these kids have a pretty predictable uh, lack of a healthy play history. They haven't spent time playing with uh, safe parents or safe adults and building those healthy attachments and building 
that capacity to self-regulate. A lot of times the first intervention, whether it be as a therapist or teachers, is to bond and build a relationship just through play. I mean, I, there's been many therapy sessions that started off as me playing catch with a with one of my uh, students that I work with. Or even an outpatient just batting a balloon back and forth or in play therapy. Like simply playing without an agenda, simply for relationship building. And building trust can go a long way with these kids that don't have a healthy play history. By the way, if, if you like what I'm doing here on the podcast, I think you'll really like what I'm doing over on Patreon. There is an entire other podcast, so if this is not enough for you, I have an hours and hours and hours worth of and a whole other podcast on Patreon. Mostly it's mini episodes, and I release one to two per week of mini episodes. I would say they're at least five minutes long. Usually, I would say more like nine or ten. Sometimes, like this week, I had one that was over 20 minutes long. And that one dealt with uh, a situation. I was answering a question about a teacher and interacting with an overwhelmed student. So there's a whole other podcast, uh, mostly mini episodes, but I also do live stream Q&As once a month, the last Saturday of each month in the morning. So live stream Q&As where I answer pretty much any question that people have. You get priority responses from me. You get priority questions answered from me. You have option to communicate with other patrons. And you get early access to stuff I might be playing around with. And it's only five bucks a month. There's no other tiers right now. I just have five bucks a month and you get all of that. And yeah, I think you'll like it a lot if you like this. What's necessary for play is an awareness of others. Now the flight fight sympathetic state does require, like that just by itself does of course require that you're aware of others, but not in a reciprocal way. When you're in that flight fight energy, you're more aware of where the danger is. You're more aware of where the target is of your flight energy or your fight energy. The, the danger to your flight energy or the target of your fight energy, I'll, I'll say that. So you're aware of people, but out of aggression or danger. In the play mixed state, we're aware of others, but it's more of a reciprocal shared back and forth thing. During play, there is an unconscious awareness and a, a constant evaluation. So neuroception, there's constant neuroceptions of the intentions of the other participants, just like outside of play where we're neurocepting safety and danger. Play specifically involves other people who are mobilized. So there is this uh, maybe more of a emphasized sense of the intentions of others, but it's unconscious. We're not really thinking about it consciously, but we're constantly, our, our neuroception is constantly assessing for safety and danger. Another necessity of the play state is that we have a restraint on our mobilization. So that's a restraint on the flight fight energy. It cannot be just flight fight energy. We have to have restraint on it. And that restraint doesn't come through will exactly. It comes through the social engagement system being online. If the ventral vagal pathways are active, that is the restraint. It, it keeps the heartbeat at a calmer level, even when playing. Yeah, of course your heartbeat is going to pick up when you're mobilized, but not as much as it would be if it was just flight fight energy and you didn't have that social restraint on. 
So having a social engagement system online is necessary for play. Also necessary for play is turn-taking, like I said, reciprocal. With play, there's like a rhythm to it. There's a back and forth. There's a shared moment that two people are engaged in. Like throwing a ball back and forth, very much turn-taking, reciprocal rhythm. Playing baseball, there is a shared back and forth thing. The pitcher throws the ball, then the batter uh, takes a swing at it. The batter doesn't take a swing at it while the pitcher is still holding the ball, right? You have to wait for your turn. After the batter takes a swing, the pitcher gets another chance. And the batter gets another chance to hit it back and forth. Reciprocal rhythm to it. Also in play, this is not something that is specifically spelled out in polyvagal theory, but I think it's something I'm kind of adding on to. I think it's really important, which is clear rules to follow. And this really ties into the the reciprocity of it, the rhythm to it, the shared sense of it. We have to have clear rules to follow. And I think this really ties into top-down narrative regulation. So having the top-down thoughts or narrative or story of the situation helps to keep someone in a safe state. It helps them to dampen their flight by energy, I think. Spontaneity is, of course, okay, too. I think there's lots of spontaneity with play. Kids do really really well with this. Kids do really well with spontaneity. But even with spontaneity, there's still social norms in the spontaneity. Like, there's still basic rules and norms that we're going to follow. So if, if two kids are playing and they're just dancing around and one of them says, all of a sudden, let's jump up and down, it's spontaneous. It's different than dancing around but it's still within the norms of typical play. If someone said, now let's punch each other in the face, now we're outside of our social norms, right? Now we're outside of the typical expectations of play. So even then, there's still some type of rules that are present, even in spontaneity. Rules provide boundaries, I would say, for sympathetic energy. So even if you don't have that consistent eye contact to check on the other participants and make sure they're safe, Knowing that the rules are intact and that everyone's following the rules can help to contain that flight fight energy. But when rules are broken, you'll see if one person breaks the rule, the other participants, their sympathetic energy, their flight fight energy is going to increase and their social engagement system might actually come off. And now they're more in more of a defensive state. In football, there's a rule about protecting the quarterback. The court, I'm going to assume you know nothing about football and just I'm putting this out there, okay? So the quarterback is the person that throws the ball. The defense is the team that wants to tackle the quarterback before he throws the ball. So if the quarterback throws the ball before the defense tackles him, the defense has basically a two-step rule. Where if they take two steps and then tackle him, it's not a penalty. There's no, there's no foul or penalty there. Now, if the quarterback throws the ball, the defense takes two steps and then tackles him, then it's a penalty. But what happens is oftentimes that if a defense does this, where they break that rule, the other teammates of the quarterback will uh, become a lot more aggressive with whoever made the penalty. They'll go after him. They'll push him around. They'll exchange uh, looks and they'll exchange words. And it might turn into a fight. That's, that's, That's happened before where it turns into people are shoving each other and for some reason, hitting each other in the helmet, which seems stupid. but So once you break the rule, 
then the safety comes off, the safety system comes off, and now it's like flight fight. Now we're actually going to get aggressive. Now we're in our defensive states. So even though that's a game where people are being tackled and knocked over constantly throughout the game on every play, being shoved and tackled, those two steps make a big difference. Those two steps are the rule. And if you break the rule, now it's a real fight. Now it's not just tackling each other. Now we actually want to hurt each other. The rule is safety in that way. The rules are the container for safety because there's not a regular eye contact and cues of safety. So the rules are absolutely essential to keeping safety in a top-down narrative form. Co-regulation is necessary for play. These are the cues of safety that we give to each other that help keep us up our polyvagal ladders or to climb our polyvagal ladders. Those cues of safety like smiles and eye contact and vocal prosody, that wider range of voice. These provide neuroceptions of safety for the other person, the other, other nervous system that's receiving them. Even something like a reassuring nod or a smile when a rule is broken. But, you know, aggression is not imminent. But if you if you break a rule and say, hey, my bad, or give a nod, like I acknowledge I did that, just that, that is a co-regulative cue of safety in play. That's a lot different than turning your face away or walking away. Like if you break a rule by shoving somebody or knocking them over and then you just walk away, that's much more of an insult than saying, hey, my bad, and uh, just giving them a nod like, in recognition of that, yeah, I should, I should not have done that. My fault. So turning away or walking away and removing co-regulation, that's a way for things to turn into something else besides play. Play could also be work because with work, there is some sympathetic activation. You're motivated and you're focused. So you have that kind of flight by energy, but you're focusing it towards something. And if, if it's working with somebody like taking turns or recording a podcast together. Mercedes Corona was the co-host for the podcast for quite a while. And even though this was work, Sheena had a really good time. There was a lot of play for us uh, in recording the podcast and preparing for it as well. But work can also become stress and pressure and overwhelm. Once that safety state's removed, it becomes something else. Play could also be puzzles or chess or board games. These games, even though there's not a ton of flight fight energy, there is, there, there could be some competitiveness, there could be some playfulness there. There's definitely a social aspect to these things, or could be. All of these require turn-taking, it's that reciprocity that's involved with another, like an interpersonal play. But all of these things could easily turn into something else as well. Once the safety state's removed, it can definitely turn into something else. You probably get the idea that when you take away the safety state, that we're just left with flight by energy. And of course, there are gradations that are possible here. So maybe we have enough of the safety state to not be 100% flight by energy. Maybe there's enough there to keep things uh, intact enough or, or to keep our behavior in check enough to follow the basic rules. So yeah, it's, it's possible to have gradations. But basically, if you don't have the safety state on, you're really just kind of in your flight by energy. Those that are stuck in a defensive state will have a lot of difficulty with play because they have less access to their safe and social pathways. They're kind of stuck down their polyvagal ladder 
and have less access to their safety pathways. So for them, when they attempt to interact with somebody, they're not able to utilize those that pro-social engagement, that pro-social behaviors, those co-regulative cues of safety. They're not giving them, but they're also not receiving them very well either. Now, if you've heard of kids that quote-unquote don't play well with others, that's pretty much who we're describing here is their capacity to interact with their peers in a safe way and to maintain it even when things don't go very well or don't go their way or they're, they're about to lose or they have lost. Their capacity to stay in their safety state, to still follow the rules, to still connect with their peers is really just uh, very compromised. When we have too much of the sympathetic flight fight energy going on, it's not play anymore. It's just not play anymore. So imagine, imagine we have a couple of kids who are playing really high sympathetic energy, but they're maintaining their safety pathways. They're able to give each other facial contact and smiles, but things are pretty intense, right? They're really competing with each other. But then if, if one of those individuals maybe like falls or accidentally gets hurt, then that on top of the, the highest level of sympathetic energy might be too much. Or if you have two kids that are playing and they're doing okay, but they've played for so long that now one of them is hungry or, or both of them are hungry, then that might be too much flight fight energy because, because if you ignore or don't realize that you're actually hungry, eventually it turns into hangry, right? So if there's too much excitement, too much uh, hunger, too much uh, sympathetic energy from pain, like falling over, then that might be the last straw that takes someone out of their play, out of their safety state. And now it's no longer play. Now they really are in more of a defensive energy. I hope you like this episode about play. That is the second mixed state. The first one last time was freeze. Second one is play. And next week will be the third mixed state. Again, if you're enjoying the weekly podcast here, I think you'll really like my Patreon podcast. It's, it's called Polyvagal Patrons. And for only five bucks a month, you get live streams. You get a whole separate podcast of mini episodes and other stuff as well. It's only five bucks a month. I'll have a link in the description for my Patreon membership. Thank you so much for listening. I do hope you've learned something new to help you climb your own polyvagal ladder or at least understand it better. Bye. This podcast is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area if you are experiencing mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed to be specific life advice. It's for educational and entertainment purposes only. More resources are available in the description of this episode and in the footer of justinlmot.com.